Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics in sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. Did you get uh, you get confused there? What your last name was? No. Why did it, did it, did you what what did I what did it sound like I said? Uh, don't worry about it. No, it it really just sounded kind of like you were uh, you paused and hesitated like. Oh, well, yeah, I'm Josh Tracy. Uh, this is my friend Corwin Heller. We're friends, guys. Uh, <laughs> and um, hey, guys, welcome to the welcome to the Thursday episode of the show. Um, today, so we were like offset how we usually did it because we missed last Thursday's episode and we had assumed that we might just kind of switch uh the monday episode from being the stats episode to the thursday episode being the stats episode but we decided that there was enough things to talk about with the nfl games and a few other spare topics going on around the world of sports that we're better off just talking more headlines today doing something more stats related later on so we're going to recap um the nfl playoff games that happened this past saturday and sunday as well as looking forward to the playoff games that are about to happen this upcoming Saturday and Sunday, and then make our way around the the world of sports for a few headline discussions and, and breakdowns along the way. Uh, Corwin, you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Corwin's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's get going. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's start with the NFL. So in the the first game of the NFL postseason. We had the Indianapolis Colts against the Buffalo Bills, um, in which the Buffalo Bills prevailed in what was one of the tighter and probably more exciting games of the first week of the um, NFL playoffs. Um, the I don't know if I get the scores. Bills won twenty-seven to twenty-four. Um, the uh, Philip Rivers led the Colts at uh, quarterback with a uh, twenty-seven out of forty-six. Um, pass completions, 309 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 93.5. Uh, Josh Allen, led, leading the Bills to victory, did so on the back of a... Am I missing his performance? There it is. Um, 26 for 35 passing with 324 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, two sacks. Actually, Philip Rivers didn't get sacked at all. That's kind of impressive. Um, a quarterback rating of 121.6, as well as 54 rushing yards on 11 attempts and one more touchdown, though he did fumble once. Um, Corwin, any, any main takeaways from this, from this game for you? Uh, yeah, I am increasingly proven wrong, uh, on my ability to predict quarterbacks uh especially josh allen they kind of uh you got me there uh, i'm gonna be honest you guys fucked me up good well not you guys you guys didn't do anything uh josh allen fucked me up good with just how much i doubted him um that being said more power to him it was a, a pretty great game uh i really enjoyed it and i will say uh i do think the bills are in a a pretty Pretty good position to uh, really, uh, really push for that AFC Championship game, and I don't really want to say the Super Bowl because the Chiefs still exist, but 
they are contending. Yeah, I'm I've been pondering recently, oh, since um like at the halfway point in this season, when it was very clear that Josh Allen was only getting better and not worse, like you and I thought he probably would be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hats first off, hats off to Josh Josh Allen for for doing it. You know, obviously I want to give full credit to him. But I really think this is this is an example of what I think every fan wants out of your coaching situation. You had a guy who came in with raw talent, like physical talent. Um, he he could run very well and he could throw very hard, um, but just had some poor decision making. And through the power of coaching is what I'm going to guess it really comes down to. He was able to correct his decision making, which I think honestly makes a lot of sense because if this guy can chuck the ball fucking hard and has a bit of a dual threat with the legs, um, obviously I think going through reads is probably the hardest um, non-physical thing a quarterback has to do because of how fast you have to be able to do it. But clearly they were able to work with him on making his progressions and increasing his uh, or, or decreasing his, his poor choices and, and, just kind of helping him round out the physical part that he already came in with. Um, it's it's really a success story in every single way. It's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really hard to kind of come in and be as almost, or not be almost, but to be as raw as Josh Allen was. And to so confidently be able to take all of that negative press, especially everything that he got um, as a rookie after a, a not so not so great rookie year, where he kind of showed his his raw talent, his physicality, and also just the the blatant inaccuracy, um, and it really was. Uh, really cool to see where he was able to turn that stuff around and uh, improve. Uh, what do you think about the the Colts' current situation? They're now going to go into an offseason with um, where Philip Rivers concluded his one year deal. Um, they're clearly good enough as a whole to make the playoffs and compete rather well. They did not get blown out here. This was a very close game. Um, that ended on the back of a um, fallen short Hail Mary interception. Um, or not an interception, I guess it was just knocked down. Right? I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. I don't remember either. Uh, Philip Rivers didn't have an INT, so it must have just been batted down. Um, but what what position do you think the, the Colts are currently in? It's tough because, well, Philip Rivers did impress me this year based off of my expectations. Again, highlighting, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, it's not like he is primed for a long, long career after this year. Um, I really don't think he's slated to stick around much longer. Um, and I think if possible, I think the, well, double, double, I think, uh, the Colts should seriously consider either moving for a free agent quarterback, which 
there are more this year than there usually would be, and I think they are in a fairly good position to get one of them based off of how talented they are at the rest of their depth chart. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to get one in the draft. They're way too far back to, to have they're a They're currently picking goal. 21st in the draft, If in case you were right, curious. Which, which is like Mac Jones, Kyle Trask area. Um, I don't think either one of those guys should be taken by the Colts. Um, it's tough. I, I think they need to get a quarterback. I don't think they're going to be able to get one in the draft. Uh, do you think they're a trade target for Sam Darnold? I think so. I think they have the defense, the offensive line, and the weapons to kind of build up a shell around him. Um, I think outside of quarterback long-term, their biggest weakness would be receiver, which obviously isn't great for a young quarterback coming in who never really had prime receivers and, and is faced that kind of issues in the past. But having Jonathan Taylor there, having a guy like Michael Pittman to, you know, another extent having um uh what's his name? T. Y. Hilton there still. Uh I think it's enough weapons for this to work out seemingly well. Right on. Um, what holes do you think that the, the Bills displayed that would have you worry if you were a Bills fan heading into next week's game? Or should we or should we save that for when we talk about next week's matchup more fully? Um let's save it. Alright, yeah, because that's that's this episode. So we'll we'll get there very soon. Um some highlights from the passing game. Um Josh Allen crushed it in pretty much every way you could possibly want. Uh, he attempted, or intended, I guess I should say, uh, 10.5 yards per pass attempt, which is uh, about three entire yards more than Phillip Rivers, and completed 10 yards per pass attempt, 10 air yards per pass attempt, um, which is really significant. So out of his 300 and, uh, sorry, no, how many passing yards did Josh Allen have again? I've lost it. Um, so out of his 324, his, out of his 324 uh, passing yards, 259 of them were in the air, um, which is a pretty significant portion. He only had a 5.9% bad throw, sorry, drop percent, and a 14.7% bad throw percent um, uh, while facing uh, pressure 22.5% of the time, which is over triple what Philip Rivers had to endure um, in a in a. Uh, Slightly larger amount of pass attempts for Philip Rivers, so uh, definitely, definitely the guy to look out for heading into next week's matchup. Uh, let's talk about the second game on Saturday: the Los Angeles Rams against the Seattle Seahawks, um, in which the Rams edged out the Seahawks in what started off as being an incredibly boring game, uh, twenty to thirty. Uh, Rams on top. Uh, Josh Allen, sorry, not Josh Allen. Jared Goff carried the Rams to victory after the early exit from John Wolford, in which he injured his neck and had to be taken away from the field in a, an ambulance. Um, John Wolford in this game went three for six for 29 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack, and a quarterback rating of 63.9. Jared Goff then came in, went nine for 19 for 155 yards, one touchdown, two sacks, 
for a quarterback rating of 93.1. Now, you might be saying to yourself, neither of those are especially good performances. And you're right. Um, they were not. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, on the other side of the ball, we had Russell Wilson, who went 11 for 27, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, five sacks, and a good for a quarterback rating of 72.1. He additionally had 50 yards rushing on four attempts. Uh, Corbin, what on earth did you think of this game? Man, I didn't watch it that closely just because of how boring it seemed to be. Um, it It's pretty crazy to me that... Um, God damn, what's his name? Jared Goff even played. Um, I really didn't think so. You know, I feel awful for, you know, John Wolford and, and the injury he suffered. I honestly don't even know um, the extent of of his lasting injury, at least, and, and where he stands now. But um, hope him, hope he has a, a good recovery and, and wish him all the best. But yeah, uh, I thought this was going to be a, a a much better game, and I'm I'm really surprised the Seahawks fell so flat. I was hoping for a a, a shootout to an extent. I was hoping for Rush to start cooking. And we didn't get that. But hey, hats off to uh to Jalen Ramsey, really proving himself to be the premier player. Um the premier cornerback in the NFL. Um yeah, this was a game I think we all thought was gonna be kind of a Seahawks wash, just or um a route, I should say, since Goff was going to be out, and you would assume, therefore, that they wouldn't be firing on all cylinders, and um, Wilson's had this MVP season, and then he just shit the bed. I mean, it he's got an under 50% completion rating, or completion percent, which for Russell Wilson's fucking weird. Um, and especially because Russell Wilson's not like a... a, a a Peyton Manning or a Lamar Jackson where it's like, ah, well, you know, he's always bad in the playoffs. No, he's not. He's like really good. His playoff completion percent by season um, was 63, 63, 57, 60, 67, 67, 64. And then this postseason, it was 40.7. Like a huge discrepancy between where he typically is. His worst season, his second worst season, I should say, is just about 16 percentage points of completion better than this one was. Um, like, like, this was a weird, weird game for Russell Wilson. Um, it was his lowest quarterback rating, and, and it, it seemingly happened for, like, no reason. It, like, came out of just no nowhere. Um, yeah, it's crazy how he opened up the year so unbelievably hot and just kind of papered off more and more as the year went on. Yeah. Um, and the fact that this, that the Rams still won on top of that is also kind of crazy because uh, they were also not like watching this. Part of the reason that this game sucked, even though the score isn't really that sucky, 20 to 30 sounds like a pretty fun-ish game, is that they just got the points in like the worst ways. Um, 
it just like nothing. None of the scoring plays looked good while they were happening. The uh, the DK Metcalf pass was cool. Um, the pick six was fun because the pick pick sixes are always fun. Um, but both teams were playing so horribly that the scoring plays were almost more of an aberration as well as uh, um, faulty play from the defense more often than it was super cool plays from the offense. Um, it just it just wasn't a very interesting game. Um, let's see. Let's look at some advanced stats for the passing. So Jared Goff had no drops. Wow. Um, and a 22.2% bad throw percent. That's pretty fucking bad. Um, any guesses what Russell Wilson's bad throw percent was? 12%. Russell Wilson attempted 27 passes. Nine of them were considered bad throws. That's just wild. Oh, that's, um, that's dirty. passing, right? That's obviously not good, but whatever. You know how many intended air yards he had? No. Th- wow. Double, over double. So, Russell air yards. Per pass, Russell. Um, again, Josh. You know we're not big stats people. We don't really know, but uh, that doesn't really sound too good. Yeah, no, it's 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 bad. It it is. I mean, and again, this is not Russell, the Russell Wilson we all know and love. It's very strange. Um, I don't, I don't know. Do you think this? The Seahawks already moved on from their offensive coordinators, citing philosophical differences. Do you see them making any other big changes before next season based on this loss? I mean, they moved on from Schottenheimer because he's really bad at what he does. Um, oh, is that he? That being said, uh, <laughs> I think they kind of have to. They're in a really weird situation right now where they're kind of not built to be a a super bowl favorite a, like a serious super bowl contender until they put that defense over the top again like as great as russ is i just i think their defense is not nearly good enough to and not deep enough to to put them in a, a serious contention spot um you know if russ is having himself a, a fantastic day obviously you know, no holds barred. He could beat any team. Um, I just don't think they're they're necessarily built to perform super high. Super yeah, high. Yeah, I, th- I, I think the Seahawks are suffering from a little bit of what the Packers suffered um, for like the past decade, which is um, if your quarterback's on it, you're beating everybody. But if your quarterback's either not on it or not in the game, you look like a hot sack of shit. Um, because there's no backup plan. Our plan is let our quarterback win us the game and hope he does. 
And when your quarterback is as good as Russell Wilson, or for the Packers, when your quarterback's as good as Aaron Rodgers, hey, that usually works out. Except when it doesn't. And then you're fucked. Uh, I don't honestly, I don't even know how to fix their defense. I haven't, I've watched it and seen that it's not ideal. I just don't know what the answer is. So that's all I can give you. And they've been, they've been trying with that defense. So, you know, I, I, I guess they'll figure out something. They, they, they've made attempts. Uh, who fucking knows, man. Uh, but let's move on to the next game. We got to talk about uh, a surprisingly competitive game. If not, um, maybe, nah, nah, but a very competitive game. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team in which the Bucks came away with the victors, uh, 31 to 23, but it was close for, uh, for a while there and still ended within one score. Uh, but Tom Brady and the Buccaneers once again, moving on. Well, I got, I guess not the Buccaneers once again, but Tom Brady, once again, moving on to the next round, bringing the Bucks with him this time. Uh, Tom Brady finished the game 22 for 40 with 381 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, got sacked three times, and had a quarterback rating of 104.3. On the other side of the ball was Taylor Heineke, uh, who went 26 for 44, 304 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, took two sacks, and finished with a quarterback rating of 78 point four uh corwin what did you think about this game i didn't watch this game oh you didn't every single game out there so i did not watch this i saw some tweets about it which i can confidently say damn good on tyler heineke um but again can't really say too much um just looking at the stats after the game it was clear that the football team's defensive line just absolutely dominated. Um, which again, hell, they've looked great. They have a ton of young talent. You would expect them to do something like it, which, hey, power to them. Um, I'm all for that team as a whole exceeding and doing well, especially now that they've fired their first round starting quarterback, which I just adore. Um, so power to them. They'll be back next year. I have to assume that they would be favorites or near favorites in that division next year, unless the Cowboys are able to re-sign Dak. Um, because boy, I am not scared of the Giants next year or the Eagles next year. Yeah, I don't think... I would give the Giants a better chance of taking a dramatic step forward than I would the Eagles, but um, I don't really, I really don't buy, if we're being perfectly honest, any team in this division. Um, but it's tough for uh, me to truly judge what the fuck the Redskins are, or um, Washington football team is, and what they're supposed to be going forward. Um, this is their third fourth quarterback they played this season third sure how many i mean they how played many, how many Hask- they played tyler heineke dwayne haskins did they play uh allen what's his first name brandon allen something like that kyle allen 
Kyle Allen. Yep. So here, here are all the players who played quarterback. Okay, no, that's it. Yeah, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Tyler Heineke. Um, Logan Thomas and Isaiah Wright also had passing attempts, but they don't count. Nope, they are not quarterbacks. No, tight end and wide receiver. Um, so I really, I don't know. I definitely, if I was a Washington fan, while I'm certainly impressed with Heineke's performance and happy with it, even though we lost, um, I would not want that to, I would not want this one performance to build any confidence on what to expect for him next season. Um, at the same time, I'm not sure Washington's one quarterback away. Like maybe the Colts are based on how well they performed on all fronts. Um, it seems like Washington has a lot of issues. They had like no rushing game at all this game. Um, their defense was fine at putting quarter pressure on the quarterback, but didn't really do much in the secondary or in stopping the run as um, Tampa Bay ran up um, some like 140 yards on them, which isn't colossal amount but it's enough that it gave tom brady breathing room and flexibility in what he was going to do uh, so i don't know um yeah, yeah it's also how good of a you know quarterback is tom brady combined with how good of a coaching staff he has and it seems to always be the case doesn't it coaching staff. so <clears throat> yeah <laughs> Uh, but this was this was at least a fun game. I kind of was in and out in this game because I was, you know, trying to get ready for bed. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely a fun game. I'm interested in seeing what the Bucks do next, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, that brings us to the first game of the Sunday slot of games in which the Tennessee Titans fell to the Baltimore Ravens 20-13. to uh, Quarterback performances in that game, Lamar Jackson... Went 17 for 24, 179 yards, no passing touchdowns, one interception, five sacks, a quarterback rating of 74.8. He also had 136 yards rushing on 16 attempts with one touchdown. Uh, on the other side, for the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, 18 for 26, 165 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one sack. Um and a quarterback rating of 83. Corwin, what did you think of the Titans-Ravens game? Man, I I have to applaud the Ravens for shutting down Derrick Henry. That's very, very difficult. Um, that being said, um, it's, oh, it's so tough. I... The Titans deserve to lose. And yeah. So I'm trying to find the right spot here. It was fourth and two. Oh, God, this the punch. Baltimore 40 with 10 minutes left in the fourth. Uh, Baltimore was up by four points. So third, fourth and two on the 40 yard line. 10 minutes left in the game, you're down two scores. What would you do? You have you, the best you go for it. physical downhill runner in the NFL who, by all means, was not having a good game. 18 rushes for 40 yards. That's really bad. Averaging just over two yards a rush. How in the world 
do you get to the point where you decide to punt? How is that an option? That is such chicken shit football. I just, I cannot stand for it. You know, it's Mike Vrabel's the guy that came out and said he would cut off his own dick to win the Super Bowl. But he still pulls shit like this. I mean, and not, Man, not only is this ridiculous. not only is this a confounding move, given the 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 team and the players and the situation and all that, it's also a crazy move because of how much research has been done over the past, even just like three years, that show how much more beneficial it is going for it on fourth down when it's like you know fourth and one, fourth and two, and. I'm not saying that like every team has to live and die by the analytics because I know they're not going to because if they're not going to do it in the MLB, which has always been more analytics driven. They're not going to do it in the NFL, even though they should. Um, but there's literally no reason not to do this. Uh, your your option your options are, are are hey, do we have a high percentage chance of success? Well, you have a much higher percentage chance of success of scoring on this drive if you go for it than you do if you punt. Even if there was no statistics to back that up, intuitively, it would just make more sense because when you punt, you give the ball away. And when you go for it on fourth and two, you actually have a chance of keeping it, like, just on its face. Additionally, you're losing. Additionally, it's the fourth. Additionally, you have one of the best runners in football. Like, I understand that he had a bad rushing game, which is also on the back of coaching. Um, but, like, goddamn, it was, the, it was the most cowardly Bush League shit I've seen I saw, I think, the whole weekend. And that's there was a lot of questionable coaching decisions this weekend. Absolute nightmare. It's ridiculous. At, at the same time, the Ravens really didn't play a great game either. Um, Lamar Jackson definitely got his footing after the first quarter and I think um, did a lot to help his, you know, quote-unquote, playoff image, whatever that really means. Um, but at the same time, I think outside of uh, Lamar Jackson, especially on the ground, and Marquise Brown, uh, I'm not really sure what the Ravens did especially well this game. Uh, Do you? Play action passing, I think. Yeah. Their their defense left a lot to be desired. Uh, Always true. Their, well, their I offense will say was their defense did a lot to be desired outside of their run defense. I thought their defense did pretty good. Their run defense was exceptional as they held Derrick Henry to forty yards. Um, I'm just not confident in this team. Is so weird. Because they are so much better than how they performed kind of this whole season. And I feel like this game is informative as to how their season went, which is, yeah, we won. Did we look great? Eh, but we did win. Um, and I feel like that was the Ravens all season. Yeah, uh, that's kind of just the AFC North in general this year. You know, it's it's a whole lot of... Wow, we have had some really crazy peaks. And here we are. And it's just, oof, that could almost always have gotten gone better. Um, 
it's just one of those things where football at this level is incredibly difficult, obviously. To be consistent at this level is incredibly difficult, obviously. And when it's this kind of competition, you know, playoff football in the NFL, if you're not perfect, you know, the other team's going to take advantage of it, and it, it's hard to be perfect. So it's just one of those things where you just have to own up to the fact that it's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think I'm just searching for this team to be more fun than they really are. I think right. I want, I want them to, them be fun to have last year's efficiency. I want them to be running the same kind of crazy broken plays that you don't expect, but at the same well, you you can't expect because that's how they work, but you want to ex- you expect them to come somewhere. You just never know when it's going to happen. Yes, final answer of that sentence. Go on with it. Um, what do you think Titans, the Titans organization has to correct heading into next season based on the back of their performance this year? Um, um, they're they're also an awkwardly built team. Yeah, I think they need to do what they can to hold on to that offensive coordinator um, because I know he's. we've talked about him. He's a young guy. He's uh, interviewing for positions. Uh, you, you want to keep them around, so continuity, I guess. Uh, keep building on what they've got going on. Get some free agents. Get some good picks in the draft. Build at their weak points. I don't know the team well enough to really dig deep and and figure out where their holes are. I just do not watch the Titans on a regular basis. Um, but I think it it shouldn't be too difficult for them to kind of retool or at least get stronger. All right. right, Let's get into uh, the the next game that happened on Saturday. Um, The Bears Saints game um, in which the Saints beat the Bears 21 to 9, which is um, probably a lower scoring game for the Saints than we were maybe anticipating and about right for the Bears. So we'll get a little bit more into it, I guess. the Bears had a 19 for 29 uh, performance from Mitchell Trubisky, where he got 199 yards, one touchdown, one sack, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 96.3. Sorry, it's 96.8. Uh, and from Drew Brees, they got 28 for 39, um, 265 yards, two touchdowns, no sacks, no interceptions, and a 107.3 quarterback rating. Um, what did what you think about this game? Uh, fire the Bears into the sun. Oh, I thought getting Khalil Mack out of Las Vegas or Oakland at the time was going to be great to see him perform, you know, consistently at the level he has shown to be able to play at. And we'd finally unlock, you know, what do you want to call it? Super Saiyan Khalil Mack. Watching him play for the Bears, man, it sucks. I just, I hate watching the Bears. It's miserable. Yeah, this was one of the least inspiring games I think I watched this um, this weekend because I think if I can speak for the average 
non-fan of either team. Um, what I was looking for was for the Saints to just rip the Bears apart and for the Bears to probably be hapless and kind of ignore their whole presence. Instead, what we got was a ridiculously quiet game. Like, yeah, the Saints scored three touchdowns in the first, the third, and the fourth, and nothing in the second. And then the Bears got a field goal in the second. Um, and a touchdown to walk off the game in a loss. It would it it was quiet. It was a quiet game. And when one team is bad and the other team is supposed to be good, it's just not fun. Honestly, even when both teams are good, it's not fun. Like this, this and I couldn't even tell the Bears are obviously their own special problem. You know, Mitchell Trubisky is awful. Um the the their defense hasn't been what they've needed them to be. All that shit. The Saints, I have no idea what the fuck their goddamn problem was, but it was absolutely bizarre. Alvin Kamara got 99 rushing yards. Yay! On 23 attempts. Uh, um, Bears have a good not, defensive line. I'll give them they, that. They, they do. Um, absolutely do. Uh, it was just like no one had a big game for the Saints, and that was as a as as a viewer bad to watch. Yeah. I yeah I I just. Man, I just didn't enjoy watching this game at all. I can confidently say I'm excited for the Bears to figure out what their next move is. Or at least I was when this game ended. And then I saw today that they are planning on bringing back Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And boy, what the fuck are they? I get if you don't want to move on from the coaches immediately. I get not wanting to move on from a young quarterback immediately. But what have you seen out of them that really has convinced you that they are the ones that can get this job done? Adam, it's I don't know why they're... It's killing me because they have such a good team otherwise. They should still be Super Bowl contenders. They should still be fighting the Packers for the NFC North. You put just even the most mediocre of quarterbacks in that are capable of throwing the ball downfield and getting it to Allen Robinson, and you have a Super Bowl team. But we're here stuck with this, and it's a nightmare. Yeah, I, I have I have no clue what the hell the Bears want to be organizationally or on the field. Um, their defense played poorly. Listen, listen to this. Kyle Fuller um, targeted six times, five completions, completion percent of 83.3, a missed tackle percent of 40. He missed forty percent of his tackles. That's I mean, rough. my God. Um That's one hell of a like, rough game. <laughs> like the the um Bears out of the, the people who had um I don't know, let's call it five or more targets, 
had three players allow over a 100 um, quarterback rating. And all those players had completion percents allowed. Sorry, three three out of six of them had completion percentages allowed of 100%. That's like, fuck. That's so bad. And all of them had double-digit missed tackle percents. If you go to the Saints, the Saints in their entirety had two players that allowed a 100% completion percent, one of them being a single pass attempt that was completed, the other one being Demario Davis, who allowed three completions on three attempts, or three targets. Um, and only one player missed a single tackle on the um, Saints defense. Uh, Janoris Jenkins missed one tackle for a 16% missed tackle percent. Uh, that's it. They had no outs- They had one player, Janoris Jenkins, who finished the game with an over 100 uh, quarterback rating allowed. That's it. Like, I, I mean, seeing these two defenses side by side is, is just, uh, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah, it it's is. Uh, it's bad. a nightmare just so, having to watch them. Yeah, it's there's not even anything really ex- exciting worth talking about. All right, yeah, let's just let's just let's just bump and groove into the next one. Um, uh, the final game. I'm sorry, Corin. The final game of the playoff weekend, the Sunday night game, Steelers Browns, which was um, at no point did the Steelers lead this game, but however, they kept it a very interesting game. Um, the Browns ended up winning this 48 to 37 in what ended up being a defensive and offensive onslaught um, by the Browns against the 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 Steelers. Um, the Browns, led by Baker Mayfield, who had a 21 for 34 um, completions on attempts, good for 263 yards, three touchdowns, no sacks, no interceptions and a 115.2 quarterback rating. The uh, Steelers were led by Ben Roethlisberger, who was 47 for 68, 501 yards passing, uh, four touchdowns, four interceptions, good for an 85.5 quarterback rating. Uh, Other standout performances, Juju Smith-Schuster, 157 Receiving yards, Deontay Johnson, 117 receiving yards. Uh, Nick Chubb had 76 rushing yards along with 69 receiving yards um, to get an over 100-yard game. Uh, Jarvis Landry also coming up with a 92-receiving-yard game. Um, The 40-yard-long touchdown reception. Corbin, I'm sure you watched this one, so uh, tell me what you took away from it. Man, I'm going to miss Juju next year. Man, I hate that the last attempt for the Steelers to contend is going to come down to this.
Um, it sucks, but at the end of the day, it's you know you got to play your best. Um, yeah, better team won. As much as it pains me to say, the better team won. Yeah, it's it had been an amazing early run for the Steelers, going eleven and zero, and then struggling a lot in the back half of their season, finishing the season one and five. Um, the Browns ended up, um, sorry, one and four. The uh, uh, Browns finishing one game behind them in the division. Um, it obviously you can't do it, but you'd love to see what this game would look like if that first snap never happened. And the Browns didn't get a touchdown on the first game of the play, first play of the game. Because um, mm-hmm. what's very annoying for me, as someone who's not a Steelers fan, is seeing Mike Tomlin get pinged for all this on Twitter. Because yeah, yeah. It, how on how is that his? And it's not with, with that one play and Big, Big Ben's four interceptions. It's kind of tough to ping that on Mike Tomlin, especially that one interception Big Ben had where he was getting uh, sacked in the middle of it and just kind of chucked it in what is an ultimate rookie move that was absolutely bizarre to see from a guy like Big Ben. Um, Every single one of those interceptions was just like... Brutal. Each one just seemed crazier than the last. Because it was like none of them were contested, right? Dumb it was, yeah. It it really wasn't like he was throwing the ball in a tight tight spot and missed his mark it wasn't like the defender jumped the route and and took it it's just like batted balls tipped balls just everything every every chance the browns had to pick off off a ball it was you know from start to finish worst case scenario for the steelers Okay, that's how yeah. it works sometimes. I um, I I really I don't I I don't even know what to truly take away from this game because it was so wild. Obviously, the Browns put in a hell of a performance, um, and had the room to give up a lot of yards and I guess therefore points from the Steeler to the Steelers uh, on the back of how dominant their outing was. I don't. I I don't again. I'm not trying to diminish the Browns' performance. I'm just looking. I'm I looking at the worst case scenario as we head into the next round of playoffs. I'm wondering if Browns fans are concerned that after the first quarter and the next three quarters combined, the Browns scored 20 points. Where I'm not sure that's enough to really get you. I'm I'm not sure if that means anything. Obviously, when you score 28 in the first you can kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit and try to play to the clock to some extent. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that's what you want, you know? Yeah. It doesn't hurt having guys like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb there who, you know, when you, you can just pound the rock with those two. And I mean, you, you watch both of them play, boy, they were playing, against a JV squad. Not even that. They were just men amongst boys. They just had open lanes. They were just running through these just wide open swaths of, of field. And, and hey, they're great, great running backs, both of them. You know, got to expect it to come at some point. Uh, yeah. So what do you think the Steelers are heading into in the wake of this playoff loss? 
What do you think the future holds for them this offseason? Truly disgusting rebuild. Um, I really think the NFL needs to step in in regards to the cap situation for next year. Um, Because, boy, there are going to be some serious issues if you just all of a sudden drop the cap back $20, $30 million. Um, Is that being discussed? That's how it's written in the CBA. Already? It's based off of league revenue. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're right. Tanked. So as of right now, off of the projected cap for next year, the Steelers are $20 million over the cap with 38 players under contract. I have them $14 million over the cap, but yes, it's bad. Uh, I've saw multiple, multiple sources. Uh, I'm sure the there's athletic. a lot of different ways that this is being calculated. Otherwise, caps, caps are weird like that. Uh, yeah, especially the Steelers cap. Um, it will be interesting to see how it's handled because I know the Steelers are not the only ones in that position. And it's not Oh, no, like, we have... We have talked about this with other teams. A lot of teams are going to be feeling this. It's going to be, it's got to be tough to be a free agent going into this because, oh boy, you are not getting the contract you deserve. Every single free agent is going to have to be seriously, seriously digging deep into their pockets because, oh God, they're, they must be dreading how much they're going to get fucked over by this cap. Uh, I think I, I know, know where I the... Know where the... Put, they're going to have to do something. I They have to. I just don't get how the NFL doesn't. I I, I think I can um, find $19 million for the Steelers cap. Yeah, where's that? Cutting Big Ben. So... His cap hit in 2021 is $41.2 million, um, but his dead cap is 22. Right. So it's one of those things where if he wants to walk, he can walk and he will. Like if he wants to retire, I mean, not walk. um, Right. By all means, he can and he will. I don't know if it's the best option right now. It's really, really, really hard to say. Um, that's not the best solution in my mind because, oh boy, it, that's just a whole other can of worms of, of starting a rebuild. Uh, that being said, I don't think that's going to be enough because there's still 15 more players that need to get signed. No, but it's a it's a big start. I, the way I would put it to you, my friend, who has never been a fan of a bad Steelers team, you have never seen the Steelers be under five hundred, and uh, you are soft for that. I believe. Thank you. Um, cut and run, man. The Steelers <laughs> are not going to be fucking competitive next year. There's no doubt in my mind about it. They're not going to be competitive next year. At the end, and of the it's day, not even it's not even their fault. No, like that. That's where we're at. You know what I mean? The, the, the Jets being bad this season was their fault. The Steelers are going to be bad next season, and it's not going to be their fault. The thing and is, you though, just got to put yourself in a position to win later on. I don't even think it's it's COVID's fault. If we're going to be honest, it's the fact that 
they were in a position to sign back, you know, maybe a Mike Hilton, maybe, you know, they would be able to re-sign, you know, Avery Williamson. They'd be able to re-sign Robert Spillane. They'd be able to re-sign, you know, Cam Sutton, some some lower name free agents where they could still put out a, a very competitive team and still be a contender, still be one of the favorites for the AFC North, all three of them. But if, if man, if the cap is what it is, they are going to need to shed older contracts. We're talking like cutting Joe Hayden, cutting Steven Nelson, cutting, uh, you know, top-end guys who are serious, com- you know, uh, contributors to this team. And I know the Steelers are not the only team facing those kind of issues. So what are we looking at next year? You know, what is going to end up with the league if it just continues to trend where all of these teams, all 32 teams, well, not all 32, there's teams like the Jets who have just an abundance of cap space. Um having to shed players you know maybe the nfl will look at it and say all right this is how we reach parity all of these shitty teams with tons of cap space are going to be able to sign big name players on the cheap all of these you know historically great teams that are very well managed and very well run to the point where we don't need to worry about them year to year because they're going to manage and they got everything they need to met to you know put up put a competitive team on the field we're just gonna have them have to shed all their players sign with the shitty teams for cheap and we're gonna have some serious parity moving forward at least short term but again that's a whole fucking can of worms it's like a weird forced um expansion draft I was just, as soon as you started down that sentence, I knew where you were going, and I completely (laughs) agree. Because it's crazy. It really is just like, hey, we're going to force all of these teams to shed, you know, keep the guys they want to protect, and these lesser teams are going to have their pick of the litter. Yeah. Because You're right. I think it, it's going to be impossible to talk about the Steelers until we figure out what the NFL is going to do. And I completely—I didn't even fucking think about that. So, I guess we'll table that discussion until we get some more info from the league, as yeah. if we have league sources. But uh, I know a guy, Schefter. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so let's <laughs> let, let's look ahead to the uh, the um, this weekend's slate of games, uh, starting on Saturday in the afternoon slot we have the los angeles rams being hosted by the green bay packers um corwin what is your expectations for this game man it's it's gonna be great watching this jalen ramsey Devontae adams matchup i really just don't know if the rams are gonna be able to completely Basically, it comes down to if Jalen Ramsey can can shut down Devontae Adams, if he could follow him, if he can shadow him, if he can lock him down or at least disrupt them enough to 
force Aaron Rodgers to force the ball into the hands of the other significantly lesser receivers. Okay, we have a game. Uh, if not, I just don't see how the Rams offensively can keep up. Honestly, no matter what, I'm going to be surprised if this is anything other than a fucking administered by the Packers. Um, especially yeah. with, and I, I know Aaron Donald is going to say he's good. And I know everyone on the team is going to say he's good and he's Aaron Donald. So he'll even probably play good. Um, I know that's not correct grammar. Suck my dick. Um, but he broke a rib <laughs> or some shit with his ribs, fractured a rib. He's not going to be full Aaron Donald. And even if he was, I, I have no confidence in this Rams team. <laughs> Maybe that's because the only Rams game I watched in full, the only two games I watched in full was this game against the Seahawks where they sucked ass and the game against the fucking Jets that they lost. Um, But man, I just don't have any confidence in them whatsoever. Right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not intended. That is some nutty bias. Oh, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent bias. But for real, I didn't see anything that's going to inspire me from the Rams from their most recent outing against the Seahawks. And because the playoffs are such for every sport is are, are such a bout of randomness. Um, they, cause there's not enough of a sample size to normally distribute the way you would over the course of a full season. This goes for all sports. Um, I tend to inject plenty, a healthy dose of recency bias in addition to um, the full slate of games statistics. And I just, I, I just don't think the Rams got it and I'm prepared to eat my hat, but I am, uh, after the season, Aaron Rodgers pulled out of his fucking ass. I, I just don't see how this is anything other than an absolute route. hundred percent. I'm not saying that as a, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think it, it there's a, a better chance than not that this is a, a pretty good, you know, strength versus strength matchup with that Rams defense versus the Packers offense. I just, you know, I strongly am going to favor the, the Packers here. Yeah. Uh, All right. So the Saturday night game will be Ravens bills for the AFC matchup. Um, You know, what are you, uh, what are you expecting out of this one? Uh, the Ravens. Who who are they matching up against? Ravens Sorry. Bills. Bills Ooh, Buffalo I, Bills. I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, I think the Ravens offense is finally in that point where they're hitting some sort of groove, or at least significantly better than they were to start the season. I think the Bills have a very very good defense. You know the Marquise Brown versus. Uh, Tredavious White's going to be a great matchup. Um, you know, those linebackers, that defensive line up against uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to be fun to watch. That being said, you know, Bill's offense, you know, Stephon Diggs against Marlon Humphrey. Like, there's some really great matchups. I just think the Bills are going to be too much. I, I I agree. I think this will be a really, really interesting matchup because I feel like these two teams are 
built somewhat similarly, at least in respect to the quarterback play. Um, with both of these guys being big dual threats, Josh Allen probably having the bigger arm between the two since he just fucking chucks that goddamn thing. But this is going to be, and I think Lamar Jackson being a little bit more elusive um, on the ground, but uh, both of them very strong runners, both of them good passers. I, I know Lamar passed less in his um, first game of the playoffs than Allen did, um, but no matter what, this is... Um, it's gonna. I, I still would favor the Bills as well. I think their quarterback play as of late has been better than the Ravens' quarterback play. I think their defense has been stronger as of late than the Ravens' defense. And I, I think Diggs has been outperforming um, Hollywood uh, as of as of recent. And I think while I think the Ravens showed a good sense of getting it together in those last three quarters of um, their game last weekend, last Saturday. Um, the Bills have been far more consistent. I mean, over the course of the whole season and in their and in their outing last week. So um, I think they got not just the momentum, but just the the sheer consistency to normalize their performance to to give them an edge heading into Saturday. Yeah. All right. All right, we'll take it to Sunday where we got the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Corbin, what do you what do you think? Oh, they're gonna get smoked. <laughs> With the great yeah. chase Claypool, they're gonna get smoked. Uh, I think it'll be a, an interesting game. I think this again really comes down to can the Browns start hot? Can Baker Mayfield? get in the right headspace, which I think as we've clearly seen over the past couple of years, you know, of especially during Baker Mayfield's short career, not especially, it's about Baker Mayfield. It has to be during his short career. Uh, if he's feeling himself, he's playing like a Heisman Trophy winning first overall pick. If he doesn't have that kind of confidence, he is atrocious. Thankfully, you know, Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt are pretty damn good running backs to kind of support him if if he's not perfect. But they're going to have to be perfect to beat Pat Mahomes. I mean, there's no way around it. That team is just too electric, uh, too good, too many playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, it's going to be... Whew. Should be a good game, though. Uh, I think it'll be probably the best if not one of the best matchups this weekend yeah i i think this is the one i'm probably most excited for the browns have shown that when they they click they fucking click um you know they they've won some big games by a lot this this season and they have shown an offensive prowess that is truly just fun to watch and very formidable on the actual gridiron uh, I think the Chiefs are more of a of a of a known quantity at this point, which is good because that quantity is uh, hey, we're awesome. <laughs> um, hey, we're really, really fucking good. Um, and you know they've they've been consistent over the past couple seasons now, which is really a whole different level of impressive. Um, so I think it's really going to come down to how the Browns end up playing. Are the Browns going to play like? They just did against the Steelers and like they did in over the course of the season against um, like 
when they played uh, the Titans and beat them 41 to 35 or, you know, when they play the Cowboys and beat them 49 to 38, or is this going to be like where they, when they played the Steelers uh, week six and lost 38 to seven, you know, um, or even when they played the Ravens earlier this year and lost 42 to 47, like th- the really offense to. is going, huh? I just really want like a, a, a 90 point game. That's what I'm saying. I, I think yeah, like I'm looking at the box scores, and I know the box scores don't tell the whole story, but I'm I'm just you know trying to add a glance, get a feel for where these Browns are at. And they are either scoring in the 30s and 40s or in the single digits. Um yeah. like it, it's it's a weird kind of set of box scores to just look at um going going through. And by far they've been better as of late, you know. Um post bye week they lost two games pre bye week they lost three games and post bye week they had more games so i mean you know they they they've been great um it just depends on i guess which version of the browns shows up cuz i think we all know what we're going to get out of the chiefs i think the margin of likelihood that you have for the chiefs to perform unchiefs like is significantly smaller than the likelihood you have of the browns performing um i don't i don't want to say unbrowns like because the browns are really bad historically but on Browns like for the 2020 Browns. So this is going to be a good game, I hope. Um even if it's not, this is going to be a fun game because someone's going to score a lot of points. Oh yeah. And I think I know who the favorite is. Wouldn't you be surprised? Uh and that brings us to the, to the last game, the the night game, the Sunday night game. Bucks Saints. Uh, Breeze Brady in the playoffs. Uh, Corwin, what do you think about this, uh, this matchup of the aged? I, uh, I don't ever root for injury. I will say I would fucking lose it if both these guys break their hips in this game just to highlight how fucking ridiculously old they both are. Oh, that would be so fun. Not fun. Funny. Not fun. Definitely not fun. <laughs> I mean, Solo. they are only in their 40s. Like they are they are middle-aged at at worst. <laughs> yeah, middle-aged people break their hips all the time. Probably. Uh, uh, I'm also sure these guys have great bone density and are very pliable. I don't know. Them vegans, I don't know where they would get their uh, get their strength from. Maybe uh, before the game, Breeze and Brady will meet up on the uh, in the middle of the field and bump maga caps. Ooh, gross! That's a little sign of unity before the uh, before the game starts. Hey, at the least, hot button uh, word of recent. Belichick came out and told Trump to f- frick off. I don't know why I said fuck off. He told Trump to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Um, but for real though, I don't know what to what to really make of this game either. I think the Bucks are certainly looking scarier. Um, the Saints defense showed a lot of prowess last week, but they were also playing a terrible team, so it's not hard to look good. Um, at the same time, the Saints defense has been good, so can they can they hold off the you know run game combined with the the the, the 
quick release of Brady, and then all of a sudden the rediscovered long ball Brady too, might might we add. Um, in addition to having Drew Brees look more Drew Brees-like than he looked last game, not that he was bad, just he wasn't quite what you'd expect in that completion percent arena from Drew Brees that we're kind of used to getting. Um, and can we see Alvin Kamara return a little bit more? Be he, he that's the thing. He didn't even have a bad game last season. Last week, I'm just so used to seeing an, a, a crazy Alvin Kamara game, and I'm just wondering where where we're going to land on it. Uh, both these teams are really good, and I think no matter where we, I think this game is going to be won on the margins. I don't think we're going to see um, a crazy bad performance in necessarily any phase here. I think we're going to see a g- really good performance from kind of every team's unit or at least i would that's what i would expect and i really think this game is just going to be on the margin this of all the games this week might come down to be the only game that i think will really come down to like clock management you know and not even necessarily on the field production yeah i i think it's going to be an extremely competitive game solely just because of the competitive competitiveness of both of these men and ego if anything else um it's pronounced (laughs) ego holy shit (laughs) that one fucking got me (laughs) oh jesus all right Behind Kansas City Browns, this is definitely my most uh, look forward to game. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, this. <laughs> Sorry. Um. The the yeah, I think I think Sunday's games are significantly going to be or are going to be significantly more interesting than Saturday's games. <clears throat> um. Because these these t- Saturday's games, I think, are going to be. Ah uh, no, Bills Ravens is actually going to be competitive. I actually I think every game outside of Rams Packers is going to be a fun watch, um, or at least have a chance of being more of a toss up. Um, yeah, I I I I can't man. say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe an edge to the Saints, but it's playoff Tom Brady. So I was saying, I was actually about to give the the slight edge to 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 Brady and the Bucks, just because I think we're seeing more of a wear on Breeze this season than we're seeing on Tom, which is stupid because he's been playing forever, and it feels like this season he's better, and I hate it. I hate it so much, but he's playing out of his fucking mind. So I yeah I don't know though. I mean, both these teams have a very easy. Um, time being ridiculously good, so I guess we'll just find out. Yeah, um, we'll find out. But that's sure. uh, that because that's how time works. Unless it's Tenet, um, check out Juicing the Big Screen, where Corin and I talked about Tenet, and we get ready to talk about other um oscar nominees heading into the 2021 oscar cycle quick plug right there juicing the big screen available where podcasts are found um so anyway that that's the full slate of matchups that happened last week and we're going into um this upcoming week it'll be i think this is the first time in a while that i've seen so many teams that i could readily see a path 
to the Super Bowl with. So I'm very excited at what um, Super Bowl 55 holds for us. Right? 55? Yeah. Um, Corn and I had a bunch of other things to talk about. Uh, not a bunch. We had a couple. Um, shout out to Willie O'Ree. Uh, getting his number retired by the Boston Bruins, first black player in the NHL, um, finally getting uh, that next bit of, rec- of uh, recognition after he got inducted into the uh, NHL Hall of Fame or the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018. This is a this is a uh, a great honor and it is timely. You'd like to see these types of things happen sooner, but I'm focusing on the good not the bad. So shout outs to Willie O'Ree and the Boston Bruins uh, for doing right by Willie O'Ree. Dude rocks. Heard him talk several times, not in person, but just online. And he seems like a great dude. Um, But the other one final thing that Corin and I thought it might be fun to talk about um, in whatever level of depth we can as non-tried and true NHL fans is something that happened today. James Harden got traded to the Brooklyn Nets in what was kind of a big surprise and ended up being a colossal uh, deal in terms of what got moved for the star player. So, Corbin, I have in front of me the full trade details. Are you ready to hear them? Yes. Can you actually send me the link so I could read it and have some semblance of ability to comprehend actively? I've already seen the trade. Uh, I already have my initial thoughts on it. I just would rather possibly have it in front of me if i can yeah i uh, i just sent it to you so it so the brooklyn is getting james harden houston is get getting victor oladipo dante exum rodion's kirkus four first round picks and four pick swaps cleveland is getting jarrett allen and Tarian prince and the Indiana Pacers are getting Karis Levert and a second-round pick. Yes. It's a lot of moving pieces. Yes. So, I again, I, I know that we are not tried-and-true basketball fans, but, uh, but Corbin, what do you think about yeah. this in terms of just value? So, I don't really watch a whole lot of basketball, and by a whole lot, of, barely any. Uh, but I do follow along fairly closely, way closer than I in any right should. Um, wow, this is just a whole lot of value here. Four first-round picks coming from Brooklyn is a lot to begin with, uh, especially when... You know, Harden, KD, and I think Kyrie are all under contract for only two more years. Um, which, by all means, they have every right to be able to re-sign them, what have you. But for two years of having probably the best big three in all of basketball, you are completely mortgaging your future. And if this doesn't work out, which oh, I'm sure there's quite the risk based off of the fact that KD has shown to be very thin-skinned, Kyrie is a crazy person, and James Harden is an asshole. Wow, this has a pretty high chance of just blowing up in their face and leaving them with virtually nothing. 
Um, Houston, granted, you're trading away a, a, a recent MVP and by all means top three NBA player, you know, right off the stat sheet. They're getting some pretty great value back. Victor Oladipo is a great piece. I mean, Dante Exum is a guy who can play some minutes. I don't give a shit about Rodian's Kirkus. Um, but four first round picks, four pick swaps, even if they're not lottery picks, that's a whole lot of value. Cleveland getting Jared Allen for a future first round pick is is a pretty great steal. Um I mean, he's a twenty two year old pretty much all star center. Um Karis Levert, great player. I, I I don't know if I'd necessarily trade Victor Oladipo for him, but at the same time, you're giving up a little bit of star power for a guy who has the chance to come back and, and build a nice career and is significantly younger. So I'm not ready to call it a loss just yet for the Nets because by all means they are very much um in the driver's seat to to win a championship uh you know it's basically them in the east the lakers in the west and it's going to be that competition we'll see we'll see how that chemistry works because i think that's pretty much all it comes down to this is a trade that would never happen anywhere other than the the nba which is so much fun it's i mean so so much fun um, because <laughs> I mean, man, the Rockets just got eight first round picks. Well, I, I mean, not eight round first picks, four first, four additional first round picks, and the ability to trade draft positions four times. Right, right. Sorry, you're sorry. Sorry, sorry. You were right. Four unprotected swaps. Um, which is just crazy. Um. Oh God. So so let, let's ignore the swaps for for a moment, just because I don't know how to properly analyze that. Um, Cleveland, fucking sure, man. Um, they traded away a first this upcoming. No, sorry, next year, twenty twenty two, next year's first round pick. Uh, to get Jared Allen, the that pick they got from Milwaukee, and because Milwaukee's probably still going to be good. Um, just because they have one of the best players in all of basketball right now, um, taking the, um, a flyer on Jared Allen instead of whoever they would have gotten in the I don't know mid late twenties will probably work out for them a lot better and let them evaluate the true talent of their team going into future off seasons. I think it'd be better for them to get that centerpiece literally uh in place and then kind of figure out and expand out from there and make the decisions based on having at least one part of their roster fully set um is going to allow them just to make better decisions so they're not desperate for talent and can be a little bit more vision focused in what they kind of want to do so good on you cleveland i think this is a a nifty little trade for them uh, the Pacers get Karis LeVert, who I don't know. Do you know anything about Karis LeVert? Yeah, he was, uh, you know, a, a lower draft pick kind of guy later. First round, I believe, um, possibly second round guy um, who 
really started butting into his own this past two seasons. Man, it's just the grammar in English in that sentence is fucking atrocious. I just need you all to bear with me while I'm trying to piece together what I'm trying to say. Um, very promising young guy. Can definitely put up serious points. Can not necessarily be the star of a team, but is a very good complimentary piece to to a star player. Okay. Granted, Indiana it, it doesn't exactly have that right now, but they can in the future, and they'll have that guy. Yeah, I, I, I would again, I guess, look at it from the, if I'm a Pacers fan is, you know, you're you're trading what could be Karis LeVert in like two years with that 2023 second round pick and trading that in for Karis LeVert um, because chances are whoever was going to be at 2023 will probably be have a ceiling around Karis LeVert. Um, I think that's probably the tightest way of looking at these types of trades when you're trading depth pieces for mid mid picks i don't want to say second round is low because if it was the nfl it wouldn't be low but in the nba it's not low it's feels weird to say middle round but it almost kind of is it doesn't matter um the rockets i think make out pretty well i i I, they 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 got a lot of didn't have any leverage they got a pretty solid return that's a lot of capital because if 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 I'm the Rockets, the whole Rockets, <laughs> um, let's see where are they? They are second to last in their division right now, so they're 14th out of 15, and I wouldn't expect that to change much in the short term. Um, the Lakers are still really good. the The Clippers are still really good. Um, Dallas is on the upswing. Never count out Golden State. Um, the uh, Oklahoma City is still good, even if they're playing uh, 500 ball right now. Regardless, uh, you know, uh, make excuses for all these teams. This is a really competitive time in in the Western Conference, and it might just make sense for them to punt and take value going forward instead of playing out James Harden, which is understandable. I think it might be jarring to see because we're so used to having big name players staying in a town for as long as it is feasible um, and only moving on to, especially in the NBA, chase rings or get some kind of next big payday. Um, That to see a team cut loose a player like this to make a point of future value versus present value, I think is very admirable Um, because this is not an anti-competitive trade. And nor this is is this a bad trade where they're just trying to get Harden away from the team. They they're getting back good value here. This Depth pieces that can cover trade. the floor. Right, exactly. Exactly. This is this is a trade you could feel good about. Mm-hmm. Four first round picks and four unprotected first round swaps. I mean, that's pretty fucking great. And if fans you know, of all four teams are are going to sleep happy tonight, or at least have reasons to be happy. Yeah, and that, I guess that brings me to the Nets, where I'm I'm very conflicted on this for the Nets, um, because while all the other teams involved got really good depth pieces, the Nets just lost all of theirs, Oof. and it's, you can yeah. rely pretty strongly on the back of you know 
Kyrie, KD, and Harden. You would assume, assuming Kyrie comes back from wherever he is at some point. Um, Crazy land club. Who who knows? And it you know that's him doing him. He he seems like a good dude off the court. So I'm trying not to not to judge. Uh, he does a lot of good charity work, all that. Um, but who knows when he's coming back? Um, who knows how he's going to be with with KD when they're actually playing? And who knows how Harden's going to affect? And the real question, well, that's what I'm saying, because I want to commend the big move, because, like, you know, you want to, as a fan, like, you want to see your team make the big move. And this is a big move. Um, But Brooklyn right now is sitting seventh in the conference at six and six. And they got so much, but gave so much. I'm not sure if this is a net benefit or net neutral move. Wait, there's, there's six and six? As it stands right now, the Brooklyn Nets are six and six. Oh, I don't. I'm stupid. Leave me alone. Don't. Uh, I won't ask. I literally okay. was sitting here like, but the season hasn't even started yet. Yeah, it most definitely has. We are significantly into the season already. Just let me curl up in a ball. Oh. I uh, I will allow it. Yeah. Um. I had a great time watching the Knicks be good, and then now they're bad, and it hurts. Um, but anyway, it, it, it might be different if we were farther into the season and there was more known about how this was all going to go down, about who the, or, or really about who who the other pieces of the Nets are and how they can contribute, or to know for sure that they were like one James Harden away from winning it all or being very, very... Well positioned for a deep playoff run, twelve games into the season. I I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to say this is bad because this could work out phenomenally for them, very yeah, easily. Could this win. could work out great for them. Two rings, you know, they could easily win a ring. Not easily, but you know what I mean. They're readily positioned to do so. Yeah. Um, but I could also see a situation where this just crashes in front of them because. There's no depth on this team anymore. That's obvious to me, anyway. Who's a guy who doesn't follow basketball very closely? So, I don't know. It'd be like no, trading away a, a bunch of, uh, you know, eight through like 12 hitters in your lineup. I know there's not 12 spots, bench positions, um, to get a really great baseball player. Uh, it's not a great composite comparison, though, because. Ball players, baseball players can only can contribute so much, whereas basketball players can contribute a lot more. I don't know. I it's tough. It's really tough. Tough. Fuck me, I can't speak. It's really tough trying to find an equitable or or an equal situation in any other sport because of how impactful any single player can be on a court at any given time. Right. 
Right. And, and and because we don't know what the impact is going to be yet because it hasn't happened. Um, like, I think you and I can sit here and pretty confidently say that the other three teams in this deal make out good no matter what. Um, whereas I think this Nets trade is going, th- this trade for the Nets is going to have to be judged um, uh, some period of time after this. Whatever that period of time is. I really just can't wait for the fucking memes. Oh, they are just going to be plentiful this year. Memes are dreams, baby. Memes are dreams. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we really got for today. There was a few other small topics. Where is Andrew Benintendi going to go? Um, but we can save that shit for later on um, since this has become a long episode and Corin and I have to go do other things with our fucking lives. Um, Unless, uh, Corbin, you got anything else to say before we kind of wrap it up? Uh, did we talk about Doug Peterson? Probably not. No, we didn't, but I think I'm roping that, that into That was really surprising, things. but at the same time, I have absolutely no idea who's going to replace him. I bet it's going to be someone weird. Team weird. Team weird all the way. All right. Um, well, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. Go on and hit us up via email. You can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. Again, make sure you check out our uh, movies podcast, Juicing the Big Screen. Uh, we talked about Tenet last week. We talk, we're talking about Soul this week as we gear up for the Oscars. There will be more Oscars picks coming up in addition to some more uh, generic Corwin Josh style picks. So check it out. And, uh, Until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.